Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast. This is Health by Heather Hirsch, and this month we are doing a Black Lives Matter series on some of the major disparities between Black women and white women in the United States. This is going to be a jam-packed month with tons of information, so let's jump right into it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Health by Heather Hirsch. From the bottom of my heart, I absolutely appreciate it. Today's episode is sponsored by a favorite product of mine, UberLube. I've been recommending this to my patients for years. What I love about UberLube is that they use a silicon base and allergies then are extremely rare. It has no added ingredients like scents, flavors, or spermicides, which are often the very same ingredients that cause irritations or reactions. It's also free of parabens, preservatives, and petrochemicals. And honestly, what I love the most is the chic glass bottle that it comes in and this nice little pump that allows you to get the perfect amount every time, plus no sticky residue. It's latex compatible and fun fact, it can be used underwater. So if you go to uberlube.com, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com and use the code podcast, you will get 10% off orders on their website. I know you won't be disappointed. I hope everyone is doing well, especially during these somewhat tumultuous times. I felt called to use my platform to enhance the Black Lives Matter campaign by spending the month or possibly more doing a series of podcasts on, again, the disparities between black and white women in the United States. I I don't know if this is going to be enough, and I do want to acknowledge that as a white woman, I do have privilege here in the United States. I definitely feel as though I don't know the right things to say. And I definitely want to acknowledge that I might make a mistake along the way. But I want to do my part in continuing to learn and continuing to understand my own implicit biases and to help my listeners as well as to give voice to some of the women who feel as though their voice has been muffled. Now, I do have a little bit of background. In fact, when I was in college, I double majored in biology and women's studies. And during my women's studies courses, I did do a lot of African-American studies and a lot of reading and literature. That does not make me an expert, but it gives me a tiny bit of background on which I feel as though I may be able to use this platform for that. I have some really exciting interviews coming up this month. I hope to do one on incarceration of Black women and also on heart disease in Black women. Today, I'm going to do a solo cast, which means it's just going to be me talking. And I was going to focus on the difference in breast cancer, incidence and mortality, and socioeconomic factors in Black women versus white women in the United States. 
Now, I am not an oncologist, which is a bona fide breast cancer physician, but as a primary care doctor whose role it was for many years to encourage prevention, screening, and decreasing modifiable risk factors, I got to do a good literature review, which also just helped to refresh my knowledge with the 2019 data on some of these differences. Again, I'm going to do my best to give you this information, give you this data, and provide some background and also some of the perspectives that I recall as a primary care physician that I do think means that we need to change the way we increase uh, screening, education, awareness, and funding to our Black communities. All right, so I want to start with teaching and talking about the incidence of breast cancer. Now, incidence, what it actually means is how many cases of breast cancer are diagnosed. It does not mean mortality, which is how many people die from breast cancer. So incidence and mortality right off the bat are two different numbers. They definitely mean different things and they have different interpretations. Now, worldwide, the risk of breast cancer is about one in 10 women. So just having breast tissue is a risk for breast cancer. Of course, men are diagnosed with breast cancer, although in a much lower percentage than women. In the United States, the risk for breast cancer in the general population is one in eight. Now there's lots of different risk factors, but age is the most significant risk factor. So as you increase in age, your risk factor for breast cancer goes up. In 2019, the incidence for breast cancer was the same or similar between black and white women. However, mortality or death rates are higher among black women compared to white women. And that is the key distinction of which we're going to spend a majority of this podcast discussing and getting into so we can start to think about why that is. So we need different and new approaches to increase prevention and increase survival and decrease the death rates among the racial minorities in this country. So we just said that the death rates or mortality for breast cancer among blacks is higher than for white women. Now, breast cancer before age 45, which is a little bit more rare. So remember, we said that increasing age increases your risk is higher in blacks than compared to whites. So again, black women are more likely to be diagnosed younger than are white women. Now, when we're talking about the median age or the average age of death from breast cancer, it's 68 among all races in the United States. But when we break that down, it's actually age 69 in white women and age 62 for black women. So again, black women have higher death rates and also are succumbing to breast cancer at younger ages compared to white women in the United States. One way that many researchers have started to think about this is by breaking breast cancer down into its genetic subtypes. Very briefly, we could get very nitty gritty on this, but as a broad overview, you may have heard of ERPR positive or negative breast cancers. It's kind of a slang that a lot of people use. What that means is that the pathology of the breast cancer is either estrogen receptor positive, meaning it has those receptors on the tumor, progesterone receptor positive, meaning it has those receptors on the tumor, or HER2 new positive, meaning it has those receptors 
on the tumor, or these can be negative. So it can also be classified as an ER negative, PR negative, or HER2 new negative breast cancer. So you'll hear those terms very often to describe a breast cancer and also its prognosis. Now, a negative breast cancer, as unintuitive as it sounds, is actually more aggressive than a estrogen or progesterone or HER2 new positive receptor tumor. And again, not being a bona fide oncologist, I don't want to say something that I actually is incorrect, but most likely this is because when you have a known positive receptor on a tumor, you can better target it with specific types of therapy. So that can actually be helpful. So if you actually have a negative tumor pathology, there's not as good uh, chemotherapy to be able to target those cancer cells. So I hope that makes a little bit of background sense. These more aggressive types of cancer, what we call triple negative, so it's ER negative, PR negative, HER2 new negative tumor types are actually two times higher in black women compared to white women. So this is one reason why black women may have higher mortalities because they have more aggressive tumors. So why is that? That's a great question. And and a lot of brilliant researchers and oncologists are looking into it. But I want to give you some overview of what we know so far. In doing so, it is not my goal to further assumptions about one culture over another. So please excuse me if I say anything that is said inappropriately. And do let me know if I say so. First of all, more aggressive tumor types, these triple negative cancers, are seen more common in women who have earlier pregnancies, increase in parity, which means in higher number of pregnancies, and also in women who have lower rates of breastfeeding. We do know just from looking at data that Black women are more likely to have more children and to start having their children at younger ages, and they're also less likely to breastfeed. So this funnels right into the risk factors that increase the aggressive triple negative breast cancers. Already, we can start to break some of this down and think about it. Let's even start with breastfeeding, for example. So we know that 21% of black women breastfeed compared to 37% of white women. And this is astronomically different. And there's lots of different reasons why. And I don't know all the answers, but I do know a couple of things. Breastfeeding is hard. It is really, really hard. It is time consuming. It is mentally exhausting. And you need a village and a support system around you. You also need time and you might need access to care or access to lactation consultants. All things that white women may have better access to compared to black women. When we think about number of pregnancies, we think about, or I think about access to birth control. Now, number of pregnancies and when you have children is 100% a personal choice. But I, I know that access to reproductive care and reproductive rights is a big issue. And that may be a difference in why we see more aggressive cancers in black women compared to white women. Next, we're going to get into things such as poverty, cultural differences, differences in diet, differences in physical activity, and differences in mindset and mistrust of physicians and healthcare systems in general. 
Before we get into some of the cultural differences, I first want to touch on some of the biological differences. There is a lot of differences that we are still investigating that certainly play a role. For example, plasma level of growth factors, hormones, and other reproductive factors, tumor characteristics, cell cycle proteins, tumor suppressor genes, chromosomal abnormalities, all of these, so that sort of medical word vomit, are all really important biological and genetic differences that definitely need to be teased out from some of the social and cultural differences. These can play a big role as well. Now, thinking about the role that poverty plays in breast cancer is a really big component. Now, poor outcomes for all women who are in poverty are seen, but there are more black women in poverty than there are white women, and this plays a ginormous role. Women who are in poverty have less access to screening, then that means they may have a later stage diagnosis, which can equate to a higher mortality or death rate from their breast cancer. There's lots of factors that go along with poverty, such as not having regular health care. This is really, really important. And from the seat of being a physician, not being able to uh, routinely discuss and counsel on the importance of screening, when to get screened, why to get screened, and what those mean, this plays a really, really big role. Or perhaps somebody can get to the office to be seen for an acute complaint, you know, something like they're sick or they, they really need to be seen, but they can't get back to get their imaging done. They can't get back because of, of other competing survival factors that happen when we are impoverished. Of course, a huge one is lack of health care. Now, I don't want to get into too much of the politics of health care, but lack of health care is a major reason that we are missing cancers or that we're diagnosing cancers when they are a later stage. Without health care, many people cannot even get the imaging that they need done, or this is extraordinarily costly, uh, meaning if they need something like a, a callback mammogram, a fine needle Um, aspiration or a biopsy. These can be extraordinarily expensive and they have to weigh the risks of getting these procedures done now and having to pay for that versus what it could mean if they delay these types of procedures. When women are impoverished, it's just hard to get to the office. Again, competing survival factors. Perhaps you cannot miss work. Perhaps you will lose your job if you miss work to go to the doctors, even for a regular checkup. Perhaps you don't have a car Perhaps you have other children, other family members, elderly that you have to take care of at home, that you have to consistently put yourself last. These are all competing factors, making it hard just to be seen, let alone to come back for an imaging test if you have the health and care insurance to do so. Also, comorbidities, which mean other chronic medical conditions, are higher in low-income women and hence black women. And this is really significant because women with comorbidities, such as high blood pressure, obesity, uh, etc., can increase their risk for breast cancer. So it's almost like a double whammy. Right? Poverty is one part, and then the addition of comorbidities to that poverty is another significant factor. Women who are impoverished also have less education and a lack of information on the importance of preventing screening and early detections for breast cancer. Again, they may not get those messages, whether it's on billboards or whether it's on commercials or whether it's from friends or from the doctor because of competing factors. 
also there's higher rates of tobacco and alcohol use in low-income areas. There's poor nutrition and there's decreased physical activity, maybe related to safety and hence higher rates of obesity. Women who live in impoverished areas are also significant targets of tobacco marketing and this all need to be taken into account when factoring and thinking about the differences in mortality for black women compared to white women when we're thinking about breast cancer in the United States. I want to break these down even a little bit further. Let's talk about physical inactivity. This is a big reason and a big area of research in preventing recurrence of breast cancer, meaning once you have breast cancer, physical activity is really important as a survival benefit to decrease recurrence of breast cancer and also does probably play a role in modifiable risk factors for getting a primary or a, a initial diagnosis of breast cancer. So physical activity is huge, but the reality is that physical activity is a privilege Physical activity is a freaking privilege. You need to have the time to be able to be physically active. You need to have the gear to be able to be physically active. You need to be able to be in a safe environment where you can be physically active. You need to be in a space where you don't have to worry about a, a losing your job. You don't have to worry about taking care of other people 24-7. You just have to focus on yourself and able to be physically active. So it is a freaking privilege. And gym access is not free, running shoes are not free, and a street that is safe is not free. I want to take a moment to acknowledge how privileged I am to be able to exercise so many days a week. The guidelines for physical activity stands right now at four hours a week of being active. Now, 12.3% of Black women meet those guidelines. That's not a lot. Physical activity, of course, plays a role not only in your weight, but also in your the way that your body uh, sort of attacks inflammatory or free radicals. Essentially, aka, exercise is kind of like a drill for preparing for the enemy. So sometimes cancer is thought of as a, a free radical that your body kind of has to see and attack and identify. And if you can practice by doing daily exercise, which also helps to keep your weight down, keep your blood pressure down, etc. When you enhance, when you encounter one of those free radicals or perhaps a precancerous cell, your body's going to be ready to attack it. So physical activity is really, really, really important for various reasons. In terms of weight, we know that 50% of Blacks are obese and 80% are overweight. So again, another sort of data point demonstrating that physical activity is a privilege that may be granted much better access to white women compared to Black women. Obesity, which can come from physical activity, of course, increases our risk of uh, comorbidities. And those comorbidities or other chronic conditions that are important include high blood pressure or hypertension, type 2 diabetes, and uh, high cholesterol. Now, when you exercise, exercise also helps to control your blood sugar, and it also helps to decrease estrogen from adipose or fat tissue and other growth factors that can contribute to cancers. So I mentioned earlier that comorbidities also can increase your risk for breast cancer. And this is sort of a link to physical activity and to obesity. Now, if we think about diet, diet also plays a huge role. Access to good quality foods is also not equal. It is a privilege to have a grocery store 
in your community that is safe for you to get to, that is easy for you to get to, where you can find fresh produce, where you can find, you know, organic meats, uh, where you can find all sorts of the foods that you need to maintain a healthy, balanced diet, uh, is as much reduced of processed foods as you can. It's a privilege that white women probably have more access to than black women. Here's what we know about the way that diet interferes with our cancer diagnoses. Now, before I get into too much of the juicy details, this is somewhat inconclusive and there definitely needs to be more research on the exact uh, associations between diet and breast cancer risk, but we're going to go over what we know so far. Diets that are higher in processed foods or perhaps um, sausages, bacon, red meat, hot dogs can be uh, pro-inflammatory. And we just talked about inflammation, pro-inflammatory cytokines can increase your risk for cancer cells. And a diet that's higher in fiber, fruits and vegetables, organic meats, if one does eat meat, and a lower meats overall is going to perhaps reduce risk for breast cancer. Data definitely show that for black women, they have a diet that's higher in dietary fat, lower in fruits and vegetables, and overall equates to more obesity. And I'm a big proponent in vitamin D, and vitamin D tends to be lower in black women compared to white women. And while vitamin D is still being heavily researched in terms of its preventative measures and decreasing cancer risk overall, we do and I do think that vitamin D is really beneficial for women. So a diet high in vitamin D is really helpful. The best way to get vitamin D is through supplements because we just don't get enough in our foods, even though now some foods like cereals and milk are fortified with vitamin D it's best to just get it in supplement form. I always recommend 1,000 to 2,000 units of vitamin D. And again, I really do recommend if if you can purchase this, if you can get vitamin D, or if you can get a prescription for it, perhaps that will make it even a little bit cheaper. It's definitely a really good supplement to take. All right. There's also some known cultural differences and cultural factors that may play a role in uh, influencing how black women manage their uh, health concerns and their healthcare choices. For example, spirituality, medical mistrust, and misconceptions on the susceptibility of breast cancer all play a big role in some of these differences. Each of these could certainly be a topic in and of them their own right, but they are worth mentioning even if just briefly, because they do really sway and impact a woman's decision to either get screening or to undergo treatment. In terms of spirituality, there is no right or wrong answer. If anything, patients should have autonomy and they should be able to make their own decisions. But many times in the Black community, women feel as though they don't need treatment, even if their tumors are bigger or if they're more aggressive which may lead to some treatment biases or treatment differences in black women compared to white women. We also cannot forget medical mistrust being a significant factor in the decision to even go to the doctor, let alone to get your mammogram and let alone to, you know, get your biopsy or to undergo treatment. Each of these is a huge and different barrier for black women compared to white women based on decades of research being done on black women, research being done on black men without their consent, without their knowledge. It's something that is going to take a long time to raise awareness and bring justice to, but definitely has to be considered here. 
Once a diagnosis of breast cancer is made, there are definitely differences in treatment, which may then lead to some of the differences in outcomes and mortality that we see. First of all, lack of insurance among black women is much higher. Also, lack of insurance in healthcare, again, is much higher in impoverished women. Breast cancer treatments are extremely costly. Not only are they costly, they are time-consuming. There's multiple doctor's appointments, not only just with your oncologist, but also perhaps with your surgical team, perhaps with your pain team, with your primary care doctor, and all the other screening tests that you might need. Not to uh, forget if one has the ability to see a psychologist or a sociologist because of the mental health constraints, because of the new onset of anxiety or insomnia from this diagnosis, these are all costly and timely endeavors. Remember, compound this with the fact that Black women's cancers are often found at advanced stages. They're often more aggressive. And so all of these are going to almost magnify the treatment and the doctor's appointments that you need and just the physical and emotional strain that someone has to go through. All of these have to be really, really factored in. And we talked about fear and misconceptions being a driving factor. And hence, there are mismatches in terms of rates of surgery and rates of chemotherapy and and rates of just screening and imaging. Remember, now we're talking about treatment. So at this point, we're kind of past screening. But at all of these stages, these fears and misconceptions can definitely affect the care and the end results that we're seeing, right? The end result, which is what we care about the most incidences is incidence is sexy and interesting, but it's mortality, it's rate of death from the disease that I think is the bottom line. And lastly, we need to address physician biases and physician behaviors. Now, there's more research that needs to be done on this, but there are some studies showing that physicians do have negative perceptions towards Black women or more negative perceptions of their mortality and their outcome than they do towards white women. Now, I haven't been a part of any of these research studies, and I have to say that's so disheartening. It's not something I have seen directly, but there's there's something to it that all of these angles, all of these things need to be looked at because we do just see a difference between mortality, more aggressive tumors at younger ages, and higher death rates in black women compared to white women when we're talking about breast cancer. This short 25-minute podcast could be broken down in so many different ways by experts in this field who study epidemiology. Epidemiology is just all of those numbers. Oncologists who study the actual chemotherapy and surgery and survival benefits. Um, Nurses who study and look at mental health outcomes. Um, Those who look at survival. So once you've had breast cancer and you have been treated, you know, what is the survival? What is the recurrence? I mean, there is just so much to this that what I have definitely done is just basic bird's eye overview of the differences that we're seeing in incidence, mortality, and potentially some of the reasons why each of these, as I mentioned, could be its own deep dive and probably certainly is if you look up and you want to look up research in one of those certain areas. 
I really want this podcast and I really want this community, all of you listening in to be interactive with each other. Let's discuss these things because that is the whole reason for a podcast is for us to expand our minds, for us to think a little bit differently and for us to communicate. So I want to give you now just a couple of ways you can communicate with me because that is my goal. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Heather Hirsch MD. You can tweet me. You can send me a private message. I'm also on Instagram at hormone.health.doc, where you can send me a a, a direct message there. Uh, Send me a a voice recording. I'd love to put some of my voice recordings on my podcast. Share your story. Tell me what you think, because I want to know, am I on the right page? Do you guys agree with me? Do you think there's something huge that I've missed? Let me know. Thank you guys so much for writing reviews on my podcast. If you write a review, there's a good chance you'll get a shout out on one of my next podcasts. I am trying to reach all of you for all of your kind and wonderful words. So you can leave that on iTunes or you can leave it on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm so excited to watch this podcast kind of inching its way up in the charts under medicine. So let's keep up. Tell your friends if you love this podcast, especially if you are are interested in learning about the disparities between black women and white women. I have a great series coming up and this is just the first episode in a couple of series of podcasts that I want to do to uncover some of the medical disparities. And again, I am saying this from a a place of white privilege and I want to acknowledge that. And so I do want your voice. I want you to know if I missed something. I want to know if I said something incorrectly. I want to be, I want to commit to being a better and well-rounded physician and mother and person in this society. You can also find me on my website. It's www.heatherhirschmd.com. You can look at my pictures. I put a lot of my new research up there. Um, anytime I've done an interview or I've done uh, been a guest on someone else's podcast, feel free to reach out to me, message me, DM me, send me a voicemail so that we can be um, working together so this can be a community. If you haven't joined my email list, please do so. It's really, really fun. I send out all the things I've done, uh, all the podcasts or, or YouTubes that I've done and just kind of let you know what's going on there. So you can sign up on my website, heatherhirschmd.com. I also do have a YouTube that I started. Um, it's Health by Heather Hirsch. You can just look up Heather Hirsch MD or Health by Heather Hirsch, where oftentimes I'm talking about some of the same topics I do the podcast that week, um, or I'm talking about something different. Uh, so if you want to see my smiling face, there I am. And I also sometimes do some great interviews. And I'm so, so, so excited to to be in this community with you, to be a voice, to hear your feedback, to have your energy. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening in. I want to thank our sponsor, Uberlube. Again, a wonderful uh, company that I really, really believe in and love their products. I hope you guys have a wonderful day or evening. I hope you're all staying safe and I pray for the state of this nation and the world. Thank you guys. Check you later. Bye.